The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of the Pokemon Snapshot. Hi Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. The sun is shining, the weather is nice here in the great state of Nebraska, even though we had a blizzard three weeks ago. Gotta love that Midwestern weather where you need the air conditioner and the heat all in one day, or week. Yes, usually day at this time of year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've just been about the same here up in Michigan. Our, my friend Steven likes to call me the Frozen North, which is funny because they had a lot more snow in the Northeast where he lives than we have. Where is Steven from in the Northeast, out of pure curiosity? He, he lives in Connecticut. Connecticut. Connecticut? Yeah. Connecticut? Yes. I was supposed to visit him last year during E3, but then the world shut down, so that yeah. was fun. Yeah, that'll happen. Ruin everybody's good time. Yep. But let's do a little housekeeping before we get going. So remember, you can follow us at Pokemon Snapshot or email us at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. Or you can join our Facebook group, also called The Pokemon Snapshot. Also, whatever listening app you're whatever app you're using to listen to this, please try give us a review. To let other Pokemon fans, such as yourselves, find us. So, Tyler, are we ready to get going? Yeah, I'm definitely ready to get going on this bad boy. Alright, so we are going to be watching episode 29, The Punchy Pokemon. Or, in Japanese, it was called Fighting Pokemon, The Great Battle. That is a way better title. Punchy Pokemon is a terrible episode title. I thought that when I saw it. Yeah, I've noticed with Jap- ja- the Japanese like titles, they're more like direct what is just going on in the episode. Good for them. I like that. That that coincides well with my personality. <laughs> All right. So, this episode aired on October 14th, 1997 in Japan and on October 15th, 1998 in the United States. All right, Tyler, let's get into our episode. We begin our episode with a view at a long stretch of highway in an area that looks similar to the American Southwest, or more specifically, northern Nevada. It really reminded me of northern Nevada. We see a Hitmonchan running down the highway, and it appears to be jogging. And I've mentioned this before, Jeff, but I have a great fear of exercise equipment. I also have a great fear of jogging and running. I don't see the point unless you're being chased by something. Yes, for sure. You know, like zombies or bears. There's a zombie app that you can download that makes it, like, simulate the sounds of zombies chasing you while you run. I did try that for a while. It didn't work because I hit a certain point, like, you know, 35 seconds after I started running where I was like, dear God, just let the zombies kill me. I w- it was not <laughs> motivating enough for me. 
After we see the Hitmonchan running down the highway jogging, it pauses to punch the air as a young woman peers out longingly from behind a tree, looking sad. Just then, however, Ash and his party walk up and Ash exclaims that this is a wild Hitmonchan. The woman ducks behind the tree again. Can we assume that she is about to, like, kidnap this Pokemon? I guess technically that is what trainers do when they capture them in the wild, but, like, uh, she definitely had a kidnappy look on her face when she was peering at this Hitmonchan. Yeah, you know, capturing, kidnapping. I mean, you are taking a wild animal and making it do whatever you want it to do. Could it actually be considered poaching? Is that what you do with Pokemon? You know, I don't know what the actual legal definition of poaching is, but for the sake of this episode, we're going to say yes. It's probably the same thing. Ash pulls out his Pokédex upon seeing the Hitmonchan, and it explains that the Hitmonchan is a skilled fighting Pokémon that packs an incredible, an incredibly fast punch. And at this point, I was a little confused, because when it did that, Misty goes, So, this is one of those fighting Pokémon I've heard about. Misty, you were a gem leader. How would you just be like, this is what I've heard about. Haven't you seen other Pokemon before? This is going to go on a wild tangent of mine, Jeff, but I've noticed that since Misty's character was introduced, we started off with a real solid female protagonist in the show. Like, you know, she was kind of the brains of the outfit. And just slowly over the episodes, as this has been going on, she's become ditzier and ditzier and ditzier, to the point now that she's full-on ditzy, and I cannot even recall a time where she was the brains of the outfit. After Ash pulls out his Pokédex and explains the incredibly fast punch and the general dangerous nature of this Pokémon, Ash, in an unfazed manner, immediately says that he is going to capture this Pokémon. He tries to send out Pikachu, but Pikachu is understandably frightened and doesn't want to go. It pictures getting beat up in a ring by this Pokemon. But not to worry, Pikachu, because Ash decides he is going to give Pikachu some fighting pointers and show him how to do a good jab. Those are Ash's exact words. I'm going to show you how to do a real good jab. Ash ducks down and begins giving Pikachu pointers about keeping his hands up, etc., and Brock questions where, when Ash actually became an expert in boxing. And I'm gonna guess that he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. Perhaps Pikachu should just, you know, use his electric-type attacks on this situation. Yeah, you think that would be the easy way out. I mean, if he wanted a fighting match, why doesn't he just use Primeape? Exactly. He had a Primeape. He could have used it. Uh, he had a few different Pokemon he could have used, but instead he's like, Pikachu, you're going to box this thing. The narrator then comes on and reminds us about how Brock got Vulpix and Misty got Psyduck, but Ash hasn't gotten any Pokemon recently. The narrator mentions that now Ash will try to change that by catching this Pokemon as we move into our episode title screen. Yeah, but let's look at it this way. Misty caught Psyduck on complete accident. Right. And and then Brock was just given Vulpix. He didn't actually catch him. Right, that's true too. And didn't Ash just catch Primeape a few days ago? I mean, there couldn't have been that big of a time difference between that episode and this episode. It was like four episodes ago. It just further solidifies the theory that we have that the narrator is secretly Ash's dad and he's just throwing some serious shade. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, but... And I guess you can consider a long time that he hasn't caught a Pokemon in four or five days because most Pokemon trainers are catching Pokemon everywhere they go. Oh my gosh, I was catching Pokemon every 30 seconds when I played the first couple of games. 
Yeah, it's like if you don't have the Pokemon, you throw a Pokeball at it. You try to catch it. Right, you gotta complete and catch them all. How'd you like that plug, Jeff? I just I I saw the moment and I took it. I I really enjoyed that. I mean, Ash's last name is Ketchum. It is Ketchum, but he ain't doing a lot of catching them. <laughs> wow, that was really bad. I felt that. Like as soon as I said it, Jeff's face gave it away. That was bad. I'm I apologize. Moving on. Ash then walks up and challenges Hitmonchan. Pikachu is now wearing boxing gloves. Ash says that Pikachu is going to teach it a lesson as Brock rings the bell for round one. Pikachu goes in jabbing, but Hitmonchan just holds him back with its hand. Pikachu can't reach. So it's like, you know, that classic trope where he's sticking out his hand or her hand. I don't know which. And Pikachu is being held back and just kind of flailing his arms wildly trying to hit something. But he's too short. Ash then tells Pikachu to use Rocket Jab, just like he showed him. And surprisingly, it works. Pikachu is able to rocket towards Hitmonchan and actually punch Hitmonchan. Unfortunately, the punch doesn't affect Hitmonchan very much at all. Just then, a gym rat-looking guy walks up and begins chewing out Hitmonchan, telling it that it needs to keep its guard up. He says fighting smart hurts less than fighting stupid. And I want to add that not fighting at all hurts a lot less than either of those, and also that this coach sounds exactly like Mel Brooks. I guess I can see that. He had that Boston-type accent. Yeah, he had the very, like, think of the stereotypical, like, Mel Brooks uh, when he was playing, uh, oh my gosh, I'm brain farting the name, Yogurt. I think it was his name in Spaceballs. Sounded exactly like that. Same accent and everything. Hitmonchan then jumps back in and starts throwing quick jabs at Pikachu. So Hitmonchan got this little, like, sort of negatively influenced uh, pep talk from its trainer. Uh, and once it jumps in and starts doing quick jabs on Pikachu, this quickly knocks Pikachu out, and the Hitmonchan and trainer begin to cheer that they won. Ash wonders who this guy is, and Misty says that he must be a pretty serious trainer. Thanks, Misty. We needed that. Just then, the young woman hops out from behind a tree and calls the trainer Daddy. She begs him to come home, and he says that he isn't going to until he wins the P1 Grand Prix. He then turns to Ash and says that he will be in the gym taking on challenges. He says he will be waiting for Ash to show up. He and his Hitmonchan then go jogging down the road towards their gym as the young woman bows her head and looks sad. And Cats in the Cradle would have been a great song for the background of this scene as he runs down the road because that woman looks devastated seeing her father literally run away from her. So when I saw this scene, I thought that it must have been exactly how Ash felt when his father left and never returned. But then he probably thought how it turned out better for his family, though, since his mom is dating one of the most well-renowned Pokemon scientists in the world. Okay, two things about that, Jeff. First of all, that was really dark. Holy cow. Like, now I'm picturing young child Ash watching his dad physically run away from him. Secondly, I don't think Ash is fully on, has full-on accepted or acknowledge that his mom is in fact dating Professor Oak. Yes, he may have not, he may not know it, but I think that's why his mom doesn't need to work. Professor Oak's just funneling in all that money. So are you insinuating that Ash's mom is Professor Oak's sugar baby? No, no, that's not what I mean. He's just, you know, giving her some of his great money as a Pokemon scientist that he's earning. 
So she's his sugar baby. We're going sure. with that. Now sure. the new theory of the podcast is that Ash's mom is the sugar baby and Professor Oak is the sugar daddy of that relationship. Wow. This took a turn that I did not expect. With the trainer now gone, having physically run away from his daughter, the young woman looking sad, uh, Brock decides that this is a good time to do what he does best and begin acting creepy and asks if there's anything that he can do for the young lady. He's like blushing and hitting on this young woman. She responds by saying that she just wants them to defeat her father so he will come home. So here's a problem I had with the storyline. If he got defeated, wouldn't it mean that he would keep going to try and be the very best? The best there ever was, if you will. <laughs> oh my god. We're just full of them today. But I think, like, she would actually want him to win so that he can just retire on top and stay home. You know, you would think that, but maybe she just knows her dad really well and knows he's a quitter. You know, hence the fact that he quit on his own family to win this tournament. So she just assumes that if he loses, he'll be a quitter then, too, and come back to them. Okay, that makes sense. In a roundabout way. But yeah, what you were saying definitely <laughs> makes more sense. That, you know, theoretically speaking, they shouldn't want him to get defeated. But, you know, who knows? At this point, I, I've just determined at this point in the episode that there's no way we're ever going to interpret this whole game plan of the daughters. Because there's a lot of holes that I mentioned later. We then change scenes to what appears to be a rundown gas station with a sign on the front that says Fighting Spirit. This appears to be the aforementioned gym. Yeah, and Ash and his friends look all confused on how a gym works. They like see all the gym equipment. They're like, what? It's kind of like how Tyler and I are also confused how a gym works. It's true. We are very confused at this point how these are actually supposed to work. Ash and the party walk inside and begin looking at the posters. Brock spots one mentioning the P1 Grand Prix, and the young woman explains that this is a tournament for fighting Pokemon. Jeff, I could be wildly off base here, but aren't, generally speaking, Grand Prix-type tournaments racing tournaments as opposed to wrestling? Yeah, a Grand Prix, I, I would have to look that up, but... I just thought of that. I'm like, Grand Prix, Grand Prix, where does that sound familiar? Oh yeah, every racing game I've ever played. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if it gives me anything. Uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, the first thing that pops up are Formula One results. Okay. And a Formula One schedule and a Grand Prix car wash. <laughs> so that's I'm going pretty, to guess. That's a pretty awesome sounding car wash, though. I'm going to guess that Grand Prix has something to do with racing and cars. That's what I assumed. But anyway, sorry to get off on a tangent on that. I just read that and was like, wait a minute. By the way, Grand Prix Car Wash, you owe us money for advertising you now. After this uh, little exchange occurs, she says that her father is training all the time to win this thing and won't come home. Brock reiterates that they will help defeat her father and mentions that Ash has a primate that should be able to handle things. This makes Ash and Misty understandably nervous as they remember the primate going crazy and beating them up. To be fair, they showed the primate beating up Charmander when actually Charmander was the reason they were able to catch primate in the first place. That is true. I, that was a weird beat-up montage, I will say that, because it did beat up Ash and a couple other people, but they chose to focus on the uh, beating up of Charmander in that montage. 
Brock also says that he, that he has a Geodude and will enter the tournament as well. Together, they should be able to bring the woman's dad down. And this is going along with um, what you were talking about earlier, but perhaps they could just, like, you know, help the dad so that his dreams aren't crushed, and then the same result of him going home will be achieved? Makes sense. Also, Brock entering Geodude is the dumbest thing he could do. For one, Geodude's not a fighting-type Pokemon, and two, it's actually weak to fighting-type since it is rock-type. Yeah, I was thinking that when I watched the episode, but my nerd level wasn't high enough to know whether I was right or wrong. But I was thinking the entire time, because they actually established later that you need a fighting Pokemon to enter this tournament, yet Brock is just like, I got Geodude, and they're like, okay. We then change scenes to see Team Rocket looking at a poster for the same fighting tournament. They're checking out the solid gold belt that you get awarded for winning the tournament. And when I say solid gold belt, I'm like referring to those like WWE belts that you can get. Jeff will know all about that. They say that they can sell the belt and go to an unlimited buffet. But Jessie has other ideas. She wants to get a facial and then go on a shopping spree. She then pictures herself in a swimsuit being waited on by a bunch of men in Speedos. Apparently, they think they're going to get a whole lot of money from selling this belt. Yeah, and this was actually a little different in the Japanese version. So in the original, you know, when they were mentioning the buffet, Team Rocket mentioned a few different foods such as hamburger, curry, cake, ice cream, steak, spaghetti, and cola. Well, in the dub, they were, so in the episode we watched, they were talking about honey glazed ham, roast leg of lamb, strawberry jam, sirloin steaks, and chocolate cakes. So a little more fancy in our version. But also, on another note, Jesse's original desire was to invite Bishonen, which are known as pretty boys, over for Okonomiyaki, which is a Japanese savory pancake. So in other words, Jesse in the Japanese dub wanted to have pretty boys come over to eat pancakes with her. Yes. I mean, teach their own. James interrupts her as she's talking about all the things that she wants and explains that they don't have any fighting Pokemon and can't enter the tournament, I guess unless you're Brock. But Jesse spots a Hitmonlee walking down the street with its trainer and says that they can just steal that one. We then change scenes yet again to see fireworks going off outside of a large stadium that has Pokemon number one written on the outside of it. It appears that this is where we will have our fighting tournament. Inside, we see a large crowd watching an empty boxing ring waiting for the tournament to begin. We then get to see Jesse leaving a trainer tied up in a bathroom stall in his underwear because she has stolen his trench coat and hat as a disguise. She announces that they now have their fighting Pokemon after what seems to have been a rare and successful Team Rocket theft. Back in the arena, the announcer comes over the loudspeaker and says that the contestants are about to enter the ring. We then see the trainer from before and his Hitmonchan raising into the ring. The announcer says that this is Anthony and his Hitmonchan and that they are going to that they are like the number one contender. Yeah, and I was kind of confused why they called him the number one contender, so. And I know you, you you used to watch professional wrestling in the 90s and early 2000s. A long time ago, yes, but I am familiar. Yes, and you know I currently watch it. So when you look at a number one contender, that usually means they're the next in line to get a shot at the championship, as in they've already won the tournament to go against the champion. You oh. don't usually have a number one contender in a tournament. 
Okay, that's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, the number one contender means you're the person that is going to challenge for the championship. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Man, this thing is just chock full of inaccuracies. We then see Hitmonlee and Jesse in disguise come into the ring. The announcer says what this trainer is that this trainer is named Giant, so we can assume the real Giant is naked in a bathroom stall somewhere right now. It appears that Jesse is sitting on top of James's shoulders under the trench coat so that they appear bigger in a classic anime and or animated trope. Ash and Brock are announced next, and Jesse is upset that he is there. Fortunately, Ash is a little slow and does not recognize Jesse, even though she makes the comment about how disappointed she is that Ash and his friends are there. Yes. And then the bell rings to start the first match. But before we see that match, we are going to go into our Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? All right. Our Who's That Pokemon for this week is the punchy Pokemon himself, Hitmonchan. I kind of did it like a little, like a boxing announcer there. Did you like that? It was okay. <laughs> uh, but Hitmonchan in Japanese is known as Ebiwater. That's weird. <laughs> All right. So some basic information about Hitmonchan. He's number 107 in the Pokedex. He is a fighting type. He's four foot seven inches tall and weighs 110.7 pounds. And he is known as the punching Pokemon, and he is a final evolution in his evolutionary stage. Uh, some origin about Hitmonchan. His name, Hitmonchan, is a combination of Hit, Monster, and Chan, a reference to Jackie Chan. That's pretty neat. I kind of wondered if that was a reference to Jackie Chan. Yeah, so let me do a little guess, because you know we have Hitmonlee. And we won't be doing him for a while, but do you know where Hitmonlee gets his name? Uh, probably from Bruce Lee. You are correct. All right, his Japanese name origin, Ebiwater, is derived from the Japanese world champion boxer Hiroyuki Ebihara. So, again, even his Japanese name is based off of a famous fighter. And what is Je Hitmonchan based off of? It is based on its Japanese name and boxer aspects. Hitmonchan may represent the boxer Hiro Hiroyuki Yabahara, as we said before. All right, Hitmonchan's biology. Hitmonchan is a tan humanoid Pokemon that is exclusively male. So when you said, well, is that he or she? It is Hitmonchan's are all male and has no female counterpart. There are five blunt protrusions on top of its head, and it has structures resembling pads over its shoulders. It appears to be wearing a light purple tunic and kilt, as well as red boxing gloves and light purple boxing shoes. In between the tunic and kilt is a small black area. You know, I want to pause you right there, Jeff, because uh, I would, if you would have asked me to assume what gender all the Hitmonchans were, I would have said female, because that skirt that it's wearing does not look like a kill. It literally looks like it's wearing a purple dress. What can I say? All Hitmonchans are males. Maybe they like to just be fashionable. Not that you can't wear a dress if you're a dude. I am not against that. In fact, I have more than one occasion thought that I should like buy a kilt or something to that effect because it just seems like a more comfortable way to go about your life. 
Okay. <laughs> now I'm horribly picturing Tyler in a kilt. Kilts are classy, Jeff. All right, let's get on to some Pokedex entries. Red and blue states, while apparently doing nothing, it fires punches and lightning fast volleys that are impossible to see. And we did. We kind of saw that when it was punching Pikachu. You could not see its hand. Uh, Pokemon Yellow says, punches in a corkscrew fashion. It can punch its way through a concrete wall in the same way as a drill. Pokemon Gold says, it's punches slice through the air. However, it seems to need a short break after fighting for three minutes. That's an oddly specific amount of time for it to need a break. I guess that it was, it's like going for a boxing <laughs> reference there. Oh, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, who I can only go for three minutes. We're, we're going to have to take a break. So, all of you out there that are aspiring to be Pokemon trainers, if you ever come against a Hitmonchan, just play the long game. Yeah, wait for it to get tired out, then you'll get three minutes to beat it up. All right, and then Ruby and Sapphire says, A Hitmonchan is said to possess the spirit of a boxer who had been working towards a world championship. This Pokemon has an indomitable indomitable spirit and will never give up in the face of adversity all right and that is our who's that pokemon for this week who's that pokemon the first match then begins and we see it is ash and his primate versus a machop primate comes out and begins staring at machop but machop jumps in and punches primate to the ground this just makes Primate mad and it jumps to kick Machop, but Machop grabs its foot and begins spinning Primate around in circles. The announcer explains that Machop is getting ready for its special attack. The Dex then says that the special attack is in fact Seismic Toss. Primate is tossed out of the ring, but Ash jumps in to block Primate's fall in a really dramatic scene in slow motion while, you know, Ash dives underneath of it. This appears to move Primate emotionally, and it starts to tear up a little. Ash asks if it is okay. Primate now realizes that Ash is really his friend, and he jumps back into the ring to continue the fight with a renewed confidence in our, in our, in our dude Ash here. Ash tells Primate to use Scratch Attack and begins hurting Machop, and, and this begins to hurt Machop. Then Primate jumps into the air and kicks Machop to the ground, knocking it out. The crowd goes wild, and we see Anthony commenting on how tough Primeape is. We also see Misty in the audience needlessly explaining to Anthony's daughter that Ash saving Primeape made it like him. Again, they have to spell it out for all the dumb people, I guess. Or just because it's a children's show, but we had this talk, you know, one of our episodes. It's kind of infuriating how Misty is like kind of that person that just has to be like, this is a really obvious thing that happened. We then get started with our next match, and it is Hitmonlee and Team Rocket versus Brock and his Geodude, which should not qualify for this tournament according to the rules preset. The announcer says that Geodude is hard as a rock and questions if Hitmonlee can crack it. First of all, yikes. I immaturely laughed at this comment when the announcer said that. Holy cow, I had a moment. I had to, like, pause the episode and just laugh. Secondly, why would this Hitmonlee just listen to Jesse? Surely it realizes they aren't its actual trainer. Yeah, I have no idea about that. I was wondering the same thing. I Maybe they promised to free him if they won the tournament? 
yeah, I don't know. They never really explain it. And he just is like, all right, I'll fight for Team Rocket. You uh, beat up my trainer and tied him up naked in a bathroom stall. But, you know, it's all good. The match then begins and Brock yells up to Rebecca. Apparently, that is the name of Anthony's daughter. It was not previously said, but Brock yells up to Rebecca and says that everything is under control. Just then, however, Geodude goes flying out of the ring and hits Brock in the head. Yeah, and I was thinking how much that had hurt. I mean, Geodude does weigh 45 pounds, so just imagine a 45-pound rock flying at your head. Yeah, that would kill you, probably. Yeah, I don't think the animators or the writers really take into effect how heavy some Pokemon are. It was kind of like in the Hypno episode when Ash was giving uh, Drowsy a piggyback ride. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, I feel like we did talk about that in another episode at one point, how uh, they didn't take into account the weight of the Pokemon they were dealing with, and that was definitely it. Hitmonlee then continues to kick Geodude, and Ash comments that Geodude will be turned into gravel. Anthony then walks up and tells Brock that a real trainer knows when to quit and encourages Brock to throw in the towel and concede to Hitmonlee before any permanent damage can be done to his Geodude. Yes, and what I think that Anthony was trying to get do here was to get some competition out of the tournament by telling people to forfeit. That's probably true. Though, it probably would have been smart to try to get Brock to win since, you know, his Hitmonchan could have easily beaten a Geodude since, you know, for one, it's not a fighting Pokemon, and it's actually weak to Rock to fighting type because it's a rock and ground type. Right, yeah, I mean, this whole episode is just full of illogical choices. Hitmonlee and Team Rocket, after defeating Geodude by surrender, have won the match. We then see a fighting montage of Pokemon beating up one another for cheering crowds in a segment that makes me feel a little guilty for having grown up wanting to be a Pokemon trainer. Yeah, and the more we talk about this, the worse the Pokemon world seems to get. I mean, it's pretty much dogfighting. Yes, this is dogfighting with fancy animated animals, basically. I mean, literally, people are, like, sitting around cheering while they beat the crap out of each other in a ring. And this isn't the WWE, which is, you know, staged. Sorry, Jeff, if you didn't know that. I knew that. <laughs> We've had, Jeff and I have actually talked about this, and we're both in agreement that we think it's dumb when people make fun of the WWE for being staged, because it's like, of course we know it's staged. It's like watching any other drama or TV show. Yeah, it, I'm going to go on my soapbox here. It really annoys me. It's like, do you know it's fake? Yes, I know it's fake, but do you also know it still hurts to fall onto a ladder from 20 feet in the air? Exactly. Those are real athletes who train their entire lives to be able to put on these stunts. Anyway, back off of our soapbox and back onto the episode. The announcer says that Ash and his primate will advance to the final round. And this occurs after the fighting montage where we see primate beating up a couple Pokemon. And that up next is Hitmonlee versus Hitmonchan or Team Rocket versus Anthony. Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee then begin punching and kicking at each other, but it seems like an even match. Hitmonlee then begins quickly kicking at Hitmonchan, but none of the kicks are connecting as Hitmonchan is too fast. Meowth then sticks a tube up from under the ring and secretly squirts glue underneath of Hitmonchan's feet to slow it down. And I just want to pause right here, Jeff, to, to give an important message to children out there. Meowth got underneath of the ring. Never do that. 
never get under the ring like Meowth. I was once jumping in a ball pit at a Burger King back in the day, and some kid did this. He, like, climbed underneath of the ball pit, was just, like, hanging out down there. Well, lo and behold, I landed right on top of his head, because I didn't know he was under there, and knocked out a couple of his teeth. It, like, pushed his head into the ground and knocked out a couple of his teeth. Of course, I was the one that got in trouble. It wasn't allowed in the play area of the Burger King. Again, and uh, I kind of hate that place because of the situation, because obviously it wasn't my fault. And also, I do want to throw out there that this is when I was a kid. I wasn't just randomly jumping in a ball pit at a Burger King like a month ago, though I'm probably still banned. So when we are able to see people in person again, I want to go with you, Tyler, to this Burger King, because we are going to go to that Burger King and you are going to get your redemption and you are going to jump in that ball pit. Well, that's a great and beautiful thought, Jeff, and I appreciate it. But unfortunately, uh, in that current Burger King, they no longer have a play area. I'm assuming because of the number of child injuries. And I might have been responsible for a handful of those. Yeah, and as an adult, ball pits are really gross. Yeah, ball pits are disgusting. I would never jump in a ball pit now. You'd have to, like, wrap me in saran wrap and douse me with, you know, hand sanitizer afterwards if I was going to jump in a ball pit. With Hitmonchan now stuck to the ring due to the glue that Meowth squirted out from underneath the ring, which you should not do because people can jump on it and injure you, Hitmonlee then begins repeatedly kicking Hitmonchan. Brock chimes in and says that Anthony should concede the match, but just then Rebecca jumps into the ring in front of Hitmonchan, but Anthony then jumps in front of her and gets kicked. Anthony then gives up, and it appears that Rebecca got everything she wanted. Her father failed at his dreams and will now have to come home to hang out with her. Ash and his party then begin discussing how it is now up to him to win the tournament. But just then, Jesse walks up in costume and begins explaining how she will now show them what losers that they are. James also pops his head out of the skies to agree. This, of course, needlessly shows Ash that this is, in fact, Team Rocket and not a trainer named Giant. They then stupidly throw off their costume and begin doing their Team, little, their team Rocket little poem thing that they do. Fortunately for them, this doesn't get them disqualified, and apparently the Hitmonlee will still fight for them. Yeah, you'd think that people who put on this tournament would, like, figure out something's up by now. Yeah, like, one of their fighters was impersonated. What happened to that fighter? They don't know. We know what happened to him, and he's not having a good day. You know, do you think he... He was a pretty big guy. You think he's still in that bathroom? Like, someone's had to find him by now. I mean, maybe he's freed from his bondage, but now he's in his underwear in the stall of a bathroom and probably doesn't have anywhere to go. And we know this is pre-cell phone, so it's not like he can call and be like, I need some pants, like what I had to do that day that I got married and I had to use your pants. <laughs> yes, for sure. And now that I'm thinking about this, Tyler, so they stole his costume, but they stole, still wore their Team Rock uniform. This guy was literally just walking around in his underwear in a trench coat. <laughs> That is true. He must have been. He's just rocking. Uh, <laughs> he's just rocking his underwear in a trench coat. I mean, whatever. I guess that kind of makes me wonder what he was planning on doing at this tournament. You know, was he gonna like flash the crowd or something? I don't know. Yeah, he didn't when he was gonna be the streaker. I guess. Yeah, man, that went weird. That got real weird. I did not expect that little note in our script to get that weird. But here we are. 
The final match between Team Rocket and Ash then begins. Primeape jumps in while Hitmonlee kicks it repeatedly. It has no effect and Primeape dodges one of the kicks and begins punching Hitmonlee. As this happens, we see that Meowth has again climbed under the ring and set up a device that will shock the ring. They just have to tell Hitmonlee to jump into the air and then they can hit the switch to shock Primeape. Pikachu sees this occur and tries to tell Ash, but Ash is initially preoccupied by the match. He tells Pikachu that he doesn't have time for this, so Pikachu climbs under the ring. Team Rocket then has Hitmonlee jump into the corner of the ring and goes to hit the switch, but nothing happens. And they're surprised by this. They're like, wait a minute, why didn't it shock uh, Primeape? Hitmonlee then jumps in to kick Primeape, but Primeape grabs Hitmonlee and uses a seismic toss to slam Hitmonlee, knocking it out and winning the match. The announcer then says that Primeape is now the new grand champion, and we see Primeape with its new fancy gold belt. Ash congratulates Primeape, and Anthony walks up and asks if he can train Primeape for a while since it has a lot of natural talent. As Ash decides what to do, we see Team Rocket wondering why their switch didn't work, but then Pikachu walks out from under the ring and hands the electric device to Meowth. Meowth is uh, initially like, wow, thanks Pikachu for bringing this device to me, because apparently Meowth is really dumb. It then goes off and shocks Team Rocket, sending them flying out of the stadium, and they are now finally gone for this episode. We then change scenes to outside, where Ash is saying goodbye to Primate, it appears he is going to leave it behind to train with Anthony and continue to be a champion. I just don't understand. Like, Ash is like, I need to catch a Pokemon. And then the most recent Pokemon he catches, he just gives away. Yeah, Ash's logic was not very solid in this scene. Yeah, at least when he gave away Butterfree, there was a reason behind it. Yeah, he hated Butterfree and never let Butterfree do anything. I guess, I mean, granted, this is the first episode we've seen Primeape since he's caught him. That's true, and now Primeape is gone already. So that was a very short-lived relationship. Ash then walks down the road with his party, heading off into the sunset of what appears to be the southwestern United States, though we know it is not. And to be continued comes across the screen, ending our episode. Yeah, and... It's not the best episode. It's definitely better than last week's episode. And I think I enjoyed this one because, you know, it was centered around the Pokemon. There were a ton of plot holes, but it was still an enjoyable story to watch unfold. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I actually really like this episode, though, because I'm an action junkie. Plot-wise, it was awful. It was literally awful. But it was a very enjoyable episode to me, overall. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to tell us what you thought of the episode, please make sure you tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot or give us an email at the Pokemon Snapshot at gmail.com or let us know on our Facebook page what you thought of the episode. All right, Tyler, I think that does it for the episode. Is there anything else you have to say? I mean, it would be kind of great if some of our fans out there would set a uh, a public survey to allow to get Burger King to allow me back in the ball pits at their various restaurants. I wouldn't get in them, but it's just the principle of the idea that matters, because obviously I had no idea that that kid was actually under there. Yes, please. Send out your petitions. Change.org. Change.org to allow Tyler from the Pokemon Snapshot back into the ball pits at Burger King. All right, 
So please join us next week when we are going to be watching the next episode, Sparks Fly for Magnemite. I think sparks are going to fly for me in this episode.